This is Behind the Twenties, a podcast where we talk about life challenges one goes through, during, well, you guessed it, your twenties. I'm Sonia, I'm 24 years old and I studied psychology. And I'm Maya, I'm 25 years old and I studied law. So how do we actually know each other? Well, we were flatmates and that, kids, is how we met. Three, two, one. Welcome back, everyone. This is our final episode of season one, and we will be discussing a very interesting topic, which is the title of this episode. So it is the basics of coping mechanisms. In other words, we will be discussing the different ways to cope and regulate your emotions. So here is how the episode is going to go. I'm going to ask my fabulous co-host Sonia here to give us a small but efficient lecture on the topic so we know what we're talking about, and then we're going to dive into more practical stuff. So this episode is really going to be packed with information. I would advise you to maybe grab a paper and a pencil and take some notes if it's a subject that is of interest to you. And because it's such an interesting topic, we can but only start talking with a nice drink. So Sonia, you made yourself a very nice and fancy cocktail last time. What did you have for us today? Well, I basically took the same drink, but I put a twist on it. Oof, what is it? This time, it's again an amaretto sour, but I added some different things in it. Mm. It's still three parts amaretto, two parts lemon juice, and I debated putting orange juice in it as well, but then I was like, "Mm, (laughs) maybe not. (laughs) And then I added some rosemary and mint. Oh, very nice. Okay, I like the rosemary and mint touch. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, I should try that. It tastes very good, I would say. But what about you? What do you have this time? Um, This time, on the other side of my alcohol cabinet, empty alcohol cabinet, was a bottle of rum. So I made myself a rum tonic. (laughs) So it's basically a bit of rum, some tonic, and also some lime juice with ice. And because it was very sour, and I'm actually not really a sour cocktail person, I added some sugar cane, like liquid sugar cane. Yeah, I also added some in mine. Yeah, it's very tasty. I really like it like this. I feel like we're like such adults with these fancy drinks. I would say. <laughs> right? But I like always this tiny reunion, you know, like, okay, let's record. We have our drinks. We have our chats. It's nice. Yes, it's such a ritual by now. Exactly. Okay, so I think to start this episode, we should probably start by defining what coping mechanism means and maybe more specific coping because I think mechanism is quite clear. Mm -hmm. So in a way, coping can be defined as the thoughts and behaviors we use to deal and manage internal and external stressful situations. Mm, Okay. Is it clear? I think so. So, yeah. Because internally you can have all these thoughts and you might feel anxious about certain things, certain things that you might have to do during the week or during the next month. Mm -hmm. And then you also have some external situations. Maybe you are preparing for an exam or about to start writing one and you're in the exam hall. can be very stressful, I would say, even just the minutes leading up to it. Being in a hallway with so many students... (sighs) Knowing that everyone's going in there to write an exam can be very stressful. So like a work deadline, um, meeting with a presentation, everything that is being laid on you, basically. Yes. Or basically everything that you perceive to be stressful. Mm, Okay. 
So if they're thoughts and behaviors, you could maybe see them as actions, right? That you can take, which then would entail that you have different actions and maybe different styles or is there different? Yes, there's so many different ways to actually address this overall topic, like of coping mm -hmm. and having all these different coping mechanisms. There are so many ways to categorize these things that you might consider as a coping mechanism. So first of all, we read this very interesting article by Algorani and Gupta. So they categorized coping styles into reactive coping. So that's, for example, a reaction in phase two, a stressor or a proactive coping, which is then you trying to neutralize future stressors. Mm. Yeah, I, I can really relate to that, actually, because I, I guess reacting is more, yeah, reacting to something that is stressing you out, right? So if you have a work deadline, then you need to work on it and maybe you need to take breaks and things like this and then use your mechanisms, coping mechanisms. But then proactive would be, you know, you're going to start a new job. So that might be leading to some stress and therefore you decide to, I don't know, plan, prepare, and maybe those are also coping mechanisms but then the proactive kinds yeah i mean there are different ways to look at it but i think you're right then let's maybe talk about some other coping mechanisms that exist because i already said a few times already that there are so many mm -hmm. ways to categorize them so let's talk about this lazarus and folkman model they categorize them into four categories and this is based on the goals of your coping style so what you want to get to in the end by using the coping style so the first one is called the problem focused one so the term itself already kind of reveals its meaning it simply uh, means addressing the problem that's causing the distress so that's mm -hmm. for instance active coping planning things or suppressing other activities and by doing this process you kind of resolve the source of your distress so this one is quite active because you really try to solve the problem at hand then mm -hmm. The second one is emotion-focused, and this type of coping still aims to reduce negative emotions that are associated with the problem at hand. So the aim of this coping style is to reduce the negative emotions that are associated with the problem at hand. Some examples would be reframing the stressful situation at hand, so it's not negative anymore. So it's a positive reframing, accepting the situation at hand, maybe even turning to religion and humor. Hmm. Okay. Wait, so I have a question. So if if um, people in a stressful situation like starts making just jokes, bad or bad jokes, <laughs> bad jokes in, in general, dad jokes or just like dark humor, is it maybe then emotion-focused? Could that be this kind of uh, emotion-focused coping mechanism? Well, yes, you can use humor as long... I mean, I'm not sure if the dark humor in the end reduces the negative emotions that you feel mm. in regard to the stressful situation. But if it does, then good for you. But sometimes this dark humor, I personally think, can really just deflect from the stressful situation. I mean, in a way, you deflect and then you kind of reduce the stress level, I would say. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think? I I think that makes sense. I mean, dark humor in particular is not made for everyone, but yeah. um, like I know a lot of people who who use it and who their humor is just dark. <laughs> And I'm not sure if they use it for like as a, a to deflect per se, but it's just kind of how they. It's kind of part of their personality. Yeah. But I was just curious. So that was the two first ones, right? So the third one is called meaning focused, and within this coping style, you use different cognitive strategies to derive and manage the meaning of the stressful situation. So really trying to find the meaning of your situation. Okay. But personally, if you are really in a stressful situation, mm. I think the style is really difficult and challenging to do. I mean, think of it. When you're in a stressful and demanding situation, how do you cope now? Do you already try in the moment to find the meaning? No. No. I think it's very hard if you're really anxious and stressed to really use this style directly. I think that's more something that comes afterwards as self-reflection, but you probably already dealt with the big part of what was stressing you out. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible. I think it just takes a lot of trial and error to get to this point that you can do it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about religion then? Because I'm not a religious person, so I'm walking on unknown territory here. But maybe for people who are religious, they can use their religion to like lower their stress through using this religion to find also meaning in, in their situation. You kind of, by doing that, you can reduce the negative emotions. So that's back to the second one. Mm-hmm. But I think you can also use religion to find a meaning in the given situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Okay. Yeah. Then the last one is called social coping or support seeking. So this is about seeking out emotional and or instrumental support from your support system in order to reduce your stress levels. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clear. Yeah. So call a friend and family, people around you, you trust, right? Yeah. So a different way to also categorize these, I mean, it really depends on the person as well, is that you can classify them into adaptive versus maladaptive coping styles, but it's quite context dependent. It's quite context dependent. What I mean with maladaptive coping mechanisms, that's, for example, avoiding a situation or trying to suppress certain thoughts and emotions. Because in the end, if you try to avoid everything Mm -hmm. and you try to suppress whatever you're feeling, eventually it will catch up to you and it will not go away. Because even though you avoid it at the present moment, it might actually help you in the present moment. But down the line, you have to deal with it because it's going to keep coming back. Mm -hmm. It's going to kind of maybe even snowball or like accumulate. Mm -hmm. And eventually there's only so much you can take because the jar is full and it needs to come out, for example. Yeah, okay. Uh, It's actually interesting that these are the different ways you can categorize them because, for example, for adapted versus maladaptive coping styles, I was, well, you say it's context dependent, but for me it was more, you have these different types, so the four types you mentioned, problem-focused, emotion-focused, meaning-focused, and the social, like, support-seeking system. Mm -hmm. And then within those, you would have good and bad ones. Yeah, it really depends on you and why you do certain coping mechanisms. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you actually, like, if we focus only on the four bigger ones that we talked about and that I just re-mentioned, do you have one where you feel that this category reflects you? That's so hard. 
do you have one you gravitate more towards? Are you more the kind of person who then needs to, I don't know, go talk to some friends, so more like social coping or more meaning focused? Um, you already said it was not really you, right? Well, not that it isn't me, but I think it's so hard. Like, I would love to say that I solely do, do this category. Like, mm -hmm. it's so hard. And I want to get to the point where I can do this in the moment, where I can be in a stressful situation And I can use my cognitive strategies to derive and manage the meaning of the given situation. Sometimes I can do it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm too stressed and too anxious, it's not going to work for me, I have to say. Mm. But personally, I have to say, again, like my go-to strategy during my studies or the beginning of my studies was to avoid everything that caused me distress. Mm -hmm. It's not like I wouldn't be faced with them, but I would try to avoid these thoughts and the stress and some other stuff by kind of doing things to distract myself, like watching TV, doing anything, maybe studying. But mm -hmm. by studying and watching TV, I was actually avoiding my issues at hand. Mm -hmm. But eventually it caught up to me. Mm -hmm. So you would say you were neither of all the four categories then? You were just... I can find myself in almost all of them ah okay i don't think i can just choose one okay interesting i mean for me i when i like heard you talk about them right away i was like i'm definitely problem really focused I, if i have if I, something stresses me then i'm directly like okay i need to plan this i need to make plan a plan b plan c plan d like i need to okay. just make this kind of tree of potential solutions and how if this doesn't work what is my next choice mm -hmm. but then of course i also use a uh, social like mm -hmm. support and if i can't deal with it i will talk to my friends about it and things like this um but meaning focus for me is a lot more later yeah. it comes later for me so when i do self-reflection so for for me here it doesn't play a role and then emotion focused yeah i'm yeah no <laughs> no <laughs> just no yeah i don't know it's very hard for me to put myself in a specific category i think it really depends on the situation so the context again and then what kind of strategy i would use to kind of minimize these uncomfortable emotions mm. Mm, okay but then what are the coping like okay maybe we will talk about actual coping mechanisms um later but what do they do for us like okay they help us with our stress but can they help us long term because short here we're mostly talking yeah. short term i feel right you're stressed now yeah. you will do your coping mechanism and you will feel better but can we maybe um like talk about how we can learn from these coping mechanisms for us to be helped on the long run mm -hmm. so I watched some videos of this YouTube content creator called Therapy in a Nutshell. And her videos are really informative and helpful regarding anything about therapy. And she has a few videos about coping mechanisms. And something that she brought up was that she thinks that coping mechanisms are actually not that great because they only help us out in the short term and not actually in the long term. Hmm. So what she says is that by using your coping 
coping mechanism, you might actually avoid something such as feeling the uncomfortable emotion. Mm -hmm. And she gave the example of, for instance, watching TV, eating exercise. Maybe in the given moment, it's going to reduce your stress levels. And you, let's say exercising, let's stick to exercising. Because I also use this coping strategy sometimes when I know, okay, I'll exercise so many times a week and I know it will help me de-stress. But if you somehow develop this addiction to it, it might not be a coping mechanism in the end anymore because you become codependent on it. Oh, oh I've never s- seen it that way. But yeah, that makes sense. Because you all, we will kind of always turn towards the same thing. And then, yeah, but if it comes only when you're stressed, yeah, but let's be honest, we're always stressed and... <laughs> like they always come in play right so okay but then how would you escape that like so i'm just gonna reframe what i've said so far so a coping mechanism can be helpful in Mm. the beginning but if you start getting trapped within the coping mechanism such as exercising too much or watching too much tv it will not be helpful for you anymore Mm. But coping mechanisms are still helpful. They are helpful down the line and long term when they help us make us feel good. And if it helps us return to resolve the, resolve the problem at hand. But I think that's really dependent on you and what works for you. Okay. And what therapy in a nutshell also uh, mentioned in her videos was that Every emotion that you feel serves its function. So maybe by doing certain coping skills or mechanisms, you'll end up actually avoiding the situation that is causing you discomfort. So here it's important to say that sometimes you need to take a step back, look at the situation at hand from different perspectives. And here it's difficult to do it on your own sometimes. Maybe talk to someone you trust to get their perspective on things. And importantly, feel your emotions. Don't fully avoid them. Pause and explore your emotions. But here I also have to say it's so hard to do that sometimes. Because if you are in a situation and you have all these negative emotions, it's so difficult because you just want to kind of escape. Yeah, make it stop. That's the case for me. I don't know about you, Mal. Yeah, for me, it's it's also very hard. I think that's when um, talking to someone helps as well because you they will kind of accompany you, you know, like give you a hand that you can grab and then just talk through it. So it also helps you with perspective, but it also helps you going through them. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I yeah, for me personally, I only do it with time and self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe here is the perfect time to talk about our personal coping mechanisms. I think you pointed out a couple ones when you gave us the explanation, but I think it's maybe best to yeah see what we personally do. So, But one thing I really want to point out now, um, which I thought was really, really interesting and I never thought about it, is that you said the goal of these mechanism is to one make us feel good Mm -hmm. but the second aim is also to help us return to the problem and solve it yes right so with that in mind do you want to go through what you do well some stuff i do is for instance go for a walk Mm -hmm. and i think when i do these types of walks i end up going for an hour long walk like just walking it out breathing 
just walking and it kind of really calms me down because then I'm in nature and I get some fresh air and it can really help me. Mm -hmm. What I also try to think or what I try to ask myself is whether the given situation is out of my control, yes or no. For instance, when a loved one is not feeling great or if they're in the hospital because of something, it's really out of my control. I Mm -hmm. don't know what will happen. And obviously I have to then rely on my phone and I cannot be on my phone the entire time. So by going out for a walk in these situations, I can kind of manage the stressful emotions and maybe also anxious emotions. I can kind of breathe and calm myself down. And in that way, I remind myself that this situation is out of my control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then some other stuff I do is, for instance, that I journal my problems. I write it down, I write it out. So I write down all my thoughts And this is kind of helpful in a way because if you write it down, it's not just in your head anymore, you know? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you have all these thoughts in your head and it's just too much. But by writing them down, you can kind of just let it out. Big thing that I sometimes still do is like stress cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) I like to clean when I'm stressed. I mean, it's clean space, clean mind, right? Exactly. And if I'm really not in a good space, I know I have to reach out to someone, Mm -hmm. whether that's a family member or a close friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I was bumping my head a lot when you were talking because uh, I have similar ones. So I will just go over them quickly. So I also go for a walk. Usually not. I, I don't walk as long as you. Usually it's mostly around the block or something. I maybe grab coffee, sit, take the weather in. (laughs) And I also journal. That's been said many times. So that's also for me a good to-go thing I do, where I usually do most of my uh, reflecting. So that helps me quite a lot. And then smaller stuff for me is, for example, change my space. So just change rooms. So if I'm dealing with a problem which is stressing me, but it's something small, right? It's more here. It's more if I have a deadline or something that is small with regards to time passing, then I will change my space. So I will change room go to the library go to a coffee place whatever i need to switch yeah otherwise i will bake i don't stress clean i stress bake (laughs) and and then i also plan a lot like when i'm really stressed then i I like to sit and be like okay i'm stressed why i'm stressed because this is happening okay can i do something about it so it's a bit like is it in my control or not but i don't phrase it the same way i'm more like this is the problem here is my (laughs) solution to the problem and so i make like lists and kind of maps and things like this and uh, yeah and a lot of sports so yoga and running if it's really in my head and same as you i end up calling a friend and talking about it probably Mm -hmm. um, if it's something that's so i have a question by doing these lists or like tree mapping you call it yeah you gain a better overview yeah situation like usually it it makes me see 
I, I just like to be able to see everything on my paper. So it, it's a bit like journaling in a way because I put it out of my brain and onto my paper. So even if I don't find a specific solution to the problem I have, at least I can go back to this paper and be like, okay, what was stressing me? This. Can I do something about it right now? No, but maybe my friend knows. So then I will call a friend. So it's more a action plan in the end. Yeah. And a dump stress, a dump stress thing <laughs> but yeah like when I think about does it make me feel good yes because I feel like I'm being proactive and dealing with it and then I can put it aside but also coming I can come back to it easily um, yeah I, it, it works for me at least that's really good I think it's a really good idea mm. Then another thing I really wanted to talk about in this episode is something that I learned from Brene Brown. I really love her and her podcasts that she has. Who is she? She is a research professor at the University of Houston. She has written several books and she has two podcasts, if I'm not mistaken. And she's known for her research on shame, vulnerability and leadership. Mm, okay. So the podcasts that she has are, for instance, Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. And in one episode of her podcast, Unlocking Us, she addressed the topic of over-functioning and under-functioning when faced with a stressful or anxious situation. So, for instance, over-functioning or shutting down in the face of a challenging situation. And she explained that she got into this topic from Harriet Lerner, who wrote some books about this topic. And the way she addressed it or the way she defined this over and under functioning in the face of an anxious situation is the patterned ways of managing our anxiety. Okay, now I'm, I want to know more, tell me. So here it's important to note that this is in general just about day-to-day -day anxiety, not diagnosed anxiety. And like I said, it's this kind of concept is used to understand our patterned habitual ways of managing our day-to-day -day anxiety. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just to address here, there are the two categories then, over and under functioners. Over functioners, they tend to take charge, they take over, maybe even micromanage people, meaning managing other people's business, instead of kind of looking inward as to how they're feeling mm. they just take over they are very active in the situation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then under functioners they get kind of less competent when faced with a stressful situation they just let others take over and they might be labeled as the ones who cannot deal with pressure so the kind of the fragile ones oh, okay but here it's also important to say that according to harriet Lerner, by understanding our behavior meaning the pattern responses to our day-to-day -day anxiety, we can understand ourselves better, but it's not necessarily just the deep truths about who we are, meaning that we can still change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can either relate more to the over-functioners or to the under-functioners, and then knowing that, you can take steps to maybe like not micromanage people or yeah, take more action and not being taken over by others then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then another 
interesting aspect of this again is that emotions can be contagious so if you tend to take charge and you micromanage people and this is also kind of really stressful behavior if you think about it Mm -hmm. suddenly getting very active managing other people's business telling them what to do left and right it can also stress other people out but here that also goes for all emotions so also the positive ones or maybe just neutral ones such as calmness and the way Brene Brown defined it in her podcast episode is the ability to control our emotional reactivity so being calm Mm -hmm. in a stressful situation Mm. and by being calm you can calm down others as well very interesting Hmm. okay I'm still on the over and under function (laughs) because I'm trying to see which one I am Mm -hmm. And I think I'm neither. I think it depends on the people that are around me. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm rather shy, but if I'm surrounded by people who are more shy than I am, then I will behave more like an over-functioner. So I will be like, okay, we guys, we need to do something. So I'm not per se going to micromanage people, but I will be like kind of the leader and say, okay, let's do this, let's do that. And as I know best, I will plan everything but if i'm with characters and with personalities that are stronger than mine then i will be more like an under functioner and i will more follow what i've been told to do kind of you know mm-hmm. so i mean i think it's also quite hard for me to put myself into a category i think it really depends on the situation at hand mm-hmm. but i can totally see myself as both yeah And it's not that it's bad to be one or the other. No, 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 no. Yep. So check out her podcast episode where she kind of really dives deep into this aspect. I remember when I listened to it the first time, it really resonated with me. Mm. And just this message got stuck in my brain is that by being calm yourself, like controlling your emotional reactivity in a stressful situation, you can also calm down others. Yeah. Yeah, because maybe they see that there is no need for stress because you're so calm. So why would I be running around like crazy? Therefore, your behavior calms my behavior. Yeah. It's quite powerful, actually, when you think about yeah. it. It's like... <laughs> and then everybody's just like... <laughs> really cool. Very, really interesting. Maybe, yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind for next time a stressful situation comes and just remind yourself, stay calm and everybody will. And I've listened to this episode actually a handful of times. And every time I just am so glad that she published this episode because I keep going back to it. Yeah. Meaning that it really resonated with me and I think it has such an important message. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe uh, repeat the episode? I think we can link it in show notes maybe to to find it. It's from Brene Brown's podcast called Unlocking Us. And it's one of the first or first 10 episodes, I would say, because they are not numbered. Okay. So you need to scroll down a bit. And the episode is called Brene on anxiety, calm and over 
under functioning. Okay, cool. But uh, yeah, I think we will link it also in the show notes. Yes. So it's more practical for people to find. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then keeping this in mind, is there a way where you can maybe like learn new coping mechanisms? Or because my thought is like, okay, you have all these different types and we, we talked about the ones we were doing, but maybe let's say one of mine was to watch TV, which it used to be. And I mean, then I guess I have my answer because I changed and it's not something I do anymore but is there a like maybe a more specific way where you can learn or is it just you're being yourself and trying to focus on learning something new I mean yes these coping styles can be taught but at the same time I personally think it can be hard to implement them on your own Mm. for instance these cognitive strategies to find and manage the meaning of the stressful situation at hand. I think that is very difficult to do on your own. So yes, you can learn these, maybe also on your own or with maybe a mental health professional or with your friends, family. But I also, here I asked myself whether most of the coping skills that you have at the present moment were these skills that your parents taught you while you grew up Mm. or even at school. What do you think, Mel? Because I'm not really sure. That's really difficult to say because I think I changed quite a lot during my studies and I think most of the coping mechanisms I have now, which which we talked about before, right, are the ones I developed during that time. So it was more by myself, right? Like my parents weren't around. Maybe sports is one that came back in a way because I, when I was a child, I used to do quite a lot of sports. And because I've always been a very anxious person, I think my parents forced me to, yeah, go swim and do a lot of swimming lessons and try a lot of different sports. And I think this is definitely from my education and I think also journaling yeah it started with my parents gifting me notebooks and being like oh you can write in it you can write about the holidays and things like this because I started really really early right so yeah I think some yes but the ones I mostly use probably not although journaling is a big part so yeah it kind of differs do you have some that you really clearly can tell that it's from your like childhood and that they've been taught by your parents or siblings or like family right yeah I mean it's very hard to think about it because I have some family members that can stay so calm Mm -hmm. during stressful situations so I've learned to value this ability of staying calm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this is something that I admire and strive to have Mm -hmm. yeah what I also ask myself is emotional regulation like how do we learn to regulate our emotions Mm -hmm. because i think here your childhood can be quite important because obviously our parents they can also be in quite stressful situations and the way they manage these situations and maybe certain things that they do to deal with these emotions can also impact how you would react then. Yes. As a kid, you see your parents react like this. So you will yeah. appropriate a kid's yeah. mimic and things like this right at the start, at least. Yeah. And then they, they grow up a bit, but they still learn from the behavior of those who are around them. So then I guess this... Yeah 
also plays a role. But this is again so much psychology. It's always nature versus nurture, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's always the same question. Yeah. And it will always be a mixture of so many different factors. So in the end, if you feel like you're still lacking in some coping styles, don't worry. You can always change. You can develop some other styles. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. But then, because I think my question was like, if there was something specific you can do or I can see how coping mechanisms are a bit like habits. When you're stressed, you do these. So as we know, habits also take time to implement. So maybe if you really want to take a walk when you're stressed, it will take you a little bit of effort at first to actually go out because you don't want to or because you would rather yeah, watch TV shows or something like this. But in the end, the more you do it, then the more it kind of gets into into your routine and becomes a habit and then your coping style changes over time do you think that's correct i think so yes and what you talked about just reminded me so much of my master thesis <laughs> yes you go girl <laughs> <laughs> i mean i did read it so you see some some stuff stuck around <laughs> that's good to hear yeah so maybe let's talk about some suggestions yeah So I kind of inspired myself from the video I watched, and it will also be linked in the show notes by Therapy in a Nutshell. So first of all, if you are in an urgent situation, please call your local hospital or emergency service and also notify maybe a family member or trusted individual. Maybe ask yourself if you are really in an urgent situation as well, if there are maybe some mental health-related hotlines you can call in your country of residence. Then let's address the other bits. Maybe write down a list of things you can do when you are really stressed so that you can rely on this list. For instance, make a list of things that really help you calm down mm -hmm. when you're anxious and stressed so that you are aware of the things that can help you in that situation. So we also already gave some examples like stress cleaning, stress baking. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things you can do, but you have to find like the activities that you like doing yeah. and that help you kind of feel better in the moment, but also help you come back to the problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then also have a list of people that you can contact when you are in a stressful situation or in a crisis, whether that is regarding mental health or anything else. Yeah. And you can learn coping styles by trial and error. Just give it a try and see what it gives you. Yeah, I think that's quite some good advice, like especially writing a list if it's um, if you know that the actions you're taking now are not the best for you and are not helping you feeling better and don't help you to come back to the problem to actually solve it then trying to think about ideas or even asking friends about it actually and just having a conversation maybe they have different coping mechanisms we haven't mentioned here that really works for them and you can try them and realize they also really work for you with yeah trial and error I think that's the way to go but yeah I think that's good advice mm. oh, it's nice then we're getting closer to the end of this beautiful first season <laughs> But what about our yoga challenge? Yeah, it's the end of our yoga challenge. Wow. 
That was uh, six intense weeks. <laughs> so, Sonia, some final thoughts. We had our, our recap a couple of episodes ago. You can listen to that first, maybe, to see how we were doing mid-season. But yeah. this will be our final thoughts and closing this beautiful chapter of this yoga challenge. So, if you've listened to our midway update, you'll know that The both of us have been slacking hardcore (laughs) on this challenge. But ever since we did this update, I've been doing yoga every single day. (laughs) I don't know what happened. I really don't know. It's like a change from night and day. Me too. I have the same. (laughs) So it's been so helpful to do this yoga. And now I crave it. Yeah. I need to do it. And if I don't have enough time in the morning because I'm just limited in the amount of time because I need to go to work, I know that I can do it also in the evening just as like bedtime yoga just to relax and calm myself down from the stressful day. Mm -hmm. So I really have turned this around. (laughs) And it's just been so good. I don't know what happened. I think it's because we in the end said, okay, let's maybe focus on doing it three times a week instead of daily. And that way, I just put less pressure on myself. And it kind of sparked my interest in it again. And thereby also my motivation to continue doing it. Yeah, but it's, it's hilarious because before we started this challenge, we were actually in practice doing it every day, right? Yeah. So I think it was just also putting it out there and that put way too much pressure on us. And so we, we started slacking hardcore. But also maybe just saying that we have been slacking off on the challenge yeah. kind of put me on the spot again, being like, okay, I really need to make an effort. Mm-hmm. And like the moment I came back home from like my weekend away after we did the update thing, I started doing it right away and just continued on doing so. But amazing. I mean, for me, my update is exactly the same. Like we agreed on three times and now I do it every day. And usually I do it in the morning, but I also started doing it in the evening just before bed. So it's much softer yoga. But wow, like last time I I actually did it last night and it was just so relaxing. You're more flexible because it's the end of the day. I slept way better because I didn't look at my screen. I was less tense to like go to bed and like I started again which made me really happy and now I'm also craving it I'm like ooh, you know what I did yoga this morning but a little stretch before bed will be very nice but my problem was that I was traveling quite a lot and this is why my routine was uprooted and I fear that with summer arriving and my travel will start again and will maybe impede this like yoga routine I have going oh, on no. but I, pro- I made a promise to myself to at least stretch if I don't have time for a full yoga video then I should at least find five minutes before bed to like stretch a bit because it's just so much better you know yeah we really turned it around we did didn't we I'm really proud of us. Good job. <laughs> well, then I think this is the end of this episode, which means the end of season one. So before we hit the outro, maybe we could explain to our listeners a bit what the future looks like. What do you think? I mean, we already hinted hardcore in our last episode. <laughs> Oops, my bad. Do you want to tell them what's happening? We are taking a break for the summer. Because we deserve it. And we will probably be back around mid-September. 
So follow us on Instagram for more information. Yes, the date is not set in stone yet, so don't harass us. It depends on a lot of factors again. Exactly. Well, that's life. That's life. Yeah. But then this brings us to the end of season one. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And yeah, we hope you, the listener, learned something from our episodes. I personally definitely did. And hopefully you've been also able to relate to some of the challenges we talked and tried uh, a couple of experiments we talked about. Otherwise, follow us on Instagram, if you don't already, at Behind the Twenties. Send us some feedback. Write a review on iTunes so we can reach more people. We really highly appreciate your input. And see our show notes for the sources we used in this episode but also in the episodes prior to that the song as always is called Blooming by Tokyo Music Walker goodbye and thank you so much for joining us on our journey on this first season of Welcoming the Unknown of our Behind the Twenties podcast we're done (laughs) no (laughs) this is it wow such a journey yes it was bye 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 See you in our next season. (laughs) Wow. We're really done. We're really done.